Welcome to the Anonymous Andrew Podcast. Life and the choices we make. The choices other people make. Why we choose to ignore the red flags. Red flags like gaslighting, cheating, addiction, mental illness, and much more. What role do they play in relationships? Follow me each week as we discuss these topics with anonymous guests and experts to hopefully become better humans, resulting in better choices. Like I say, been there, still doing that. Now on to the show. Welcome to the Anonymous Andrew Podcast, episode number 58. And do I sound excited? Yes, I do, because this episode, we finally get the answers to what I've been seeking for 57 episodes. You know, I started this podcast because of this relationship that I walked away from almost a year ago, and I was baffled, and I was confused, and yeah, among all the other stuff, heartbroken and all the other crap. But I, I wanted to find out what just happened, why she did what she did, the gaslighting, the narcissism, the infidelity, and why I stayed, and, and yada, 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 all of that. And, and I started a podcast, and I said, I got to find out what just happened and how it happened, and today... I get my answer. Today we have Mr. J, and Mr. J is a trauma practitioner or trauma coach among a plethora of other specialties that he dabbles in. But somehow at the very end, it just like he wraps it all up in a little box and a, and a bow, a package, like, and, he, and he just hands it to me and he says, this is, this is what happened. And it just blew me away. So anyway... I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to shut up and let you listen to this episode because this is finally the answer that I've been seeking. So enjoy, and we will talk to you on the other side. Hello, everybody. Anonymous Andrew back with you with another episode. And today we're going to continue with the trauma topic. And I have a special guest today. My guest is Mr. J. Hello, Mr. J. Good evening. Good evening. Thank you so much for having me on. All right, Mr. J. I just give me a second here. I have to read to my audience the list of your certifications or your qualifications. Mr. J is a master's of arts. MAT is what? Master's? Uh, a master's in arts and teaching. He's ministry certified, professional relationship coach, certified betrayal trauma practitioner, certified in special ed. He's an author two times. He's an army veteran, an inspirational speaker, and their list goes on. So <laughs> um, let's start at the top. Uh, tell us, do you have a journey of how you got here and, and why you got into this? Well, you know, in my childhood, I, I marinated in trauma. Um, I grew up in trauma. Uh, having healthy relationships as an adult was not possible because um, 
I was familiar with trauma. So healthy relationships were unhealthy. And that caused um, uh, me to push a lot of people away and cause even more trauma. Uh, but anyway, what wound up happening was uh, my father passed away and I was very close with him and he passed away abruptly. And when I mean abruptly, I mean, one day I was talking with him on the phone, telling jokes, we were laughing. And four days later, we were lowering his coffin into the ground. Wow. And so uh, a couple of days after that, I woke up in the middle of the night with my very first panic attack. Mm. And I woke up to the smell of smoke. And I walked all around the kitchen, the bedrooms, trying to find the origin of this smoke. And I could not find smoke to save my life. I even opened up my door to see if my neighbors were had their fireplace on or barbecue or whatever, but it was like three in the morning. There was no smoke anywhere, but I knew I, I smelled smoke. So anyways, I went to go back to bed. And the minute my head hit the pillow, I was brought back to when I was six years old. I was standing in the driveway next to my mother while she was screaming because we came home to a house fire. And oh. the only thing that we saw was our chimney in the driveway. Everything else was so my father's death woke a sleeping giant of unhealed childhood trauma within me. And so then I went on this quest of healing my trauma, uh, learning a tremendous amount. Um, and then long story short, I got into a program where I was helping people. The CEO asked me if I wanted to become certified to continue helping people. I said, yes. And here we are today. Let me ask you this, and and in fact, that's an amazing story, and and uh, I I can't imagine what that was like. What before we started recording, I mentioned that I had some trauma in my in my past, and I felt that I needed to explain my trauma to you because it's not like so. When people say the word trauma, I think I would think people think horrible thing like mass shootings trauma as in maybe veterans of war rape um but there but tra trauma comes in all forms all shapes and sizes right and and is there a definition of trauma that is there a spectrum of trauma so listen I, is there a little t trauma and a big t trauma certainly but really, trauma is anything that overwhelms our coping mechanisms. And trauma is not what happens to us. Trauma is how our body responds to what happens to us. So you and I can experience the same exact thing. If you and I start walking down the street and we see somebody getting murdered, I could be severely traumatized from that. And you necessarily wouldn't be. So, right. so many things depend on our um coping mechanisms our um survival techniques our support systems our i mean there's so many things that yeah. that that go into this now trauma a good definition of trauma is life threatening helplessness betrayal trauma is life threatening helplessness at the hands of a primary attachment and a primary attachment would be a parent, a child, a boss, certainly a partner, significant other. Right. Um, and then, of course, even us ourselves, right. because um, I talk to many people who say, Mr. J, I, 
I was doing yoga and I was eating all my fruit shakes and I was meditating and whatever else. And I was still diagnosed with breast cancer. So I feel my body betrayed me or my creator betrayed me. Wow. Okay. So it's uh it's 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 life threatening helplessness at the hands of an, a primary attachment. Okay. All right. So the, you just answered one of my questions. What is betrayal trauma? What is betrayal blindness? Okay. So betrayal blindness is actually a um, part of our nervous system. And our, our, what our nervous system, uh, what betrayal blindness does is it's meant to keep us safe. And in fact, it does keep us safe, but it's at a big cost. So let me give you an, uh, an example. Little Red Riding Hood, um, you know, wanted to go visit her grandmother. Little Red Riding Hood wanted to go visit her grandmother really, really bad. But let's just say she couldn't. We had COVID lockdowns, so she couldn't <laughs> go visit her grandmother. And so finally, after six months, two years, whatever it was, the lockdown uh, were lifted. And so Little Red Riding Hood starts making banana bread and oatmeal cookies and all these delicious treats to, you know, trudge through the chaotic forest the scary forest to go visit her grandmother. Well, the minute Little Red Riding Hood knocked on her grandmother's door, something within Little Red Riding Hood said, mm, something's off. Because usually her grandmother's like, who is it? Or come in, or I'm waiting for you. But she didn't hear anything. So she knew something was off, but she excused it away because she was so desperate to see her grandmother. Uh -huh. She had blinders on. And so when she walked into the house, she still felt something was off. But she she didn't want to look into it because she had blinders on. I want to see my grandma. Now, when she walked into the back bedroom, she knew without a shadow of a doubt, logically, something was up. Because she even said, Grandma, why are your eyes so beady? Why are your teeth so sharp and your jaw is so long? She knew something was off. But betrayal blindness is our body's way of saying, no, all is good in the hood. Let's just live so we're not traumatized. But then what happens is that you ignore that or you suppress it or you repress it or you excuse it away. And then you find yourself in trouble because what happened? Little Red Riding Hood got eaten. So betrayal blindness is this. You go to your glove compartment and you find, you know, pubic hair or lipstick or something that doesn't belong to you or your partner. And you look at it and you're like, oh, she's just A, B and C or he's just yada, yada. It's our body's way of keeping us calm, cool, and collected. And it works because it doesn't overwhelm our coping mechanisms. However, the problem with betrayal blindness is once D-Day happens or once yeah. that big revelation yeah. comes into your life, now you're not only dealing with the betrayal somebody else gave you, you also now have to heal your own self-betrayal. Why? Why? And that comes in forms of why was I so stupid? How could I be so duped? Why was I so blah, 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 which it has nothing to do with you being stupid. It's an actual natural part of your body's defense mechanism. Uh, you're nervous, fight, flight, or fight. It is betrayal blindness. And that's exactly what I went through because for two years, I had those blinders on. I did see those. So let's, so betrayal blindness, let's take the lipstick or, or the, the things you find in the glove compartment, those are red flags. Those are lifeguard sized red flags. But in my case, when I saw those flags, I chose to ignore them because I had blinders on and, and I let them go. And, or if I confronted the person in this case, my ex, I was 
it was explained away with with gaslighting and, and skillfully manipulation. Uh, anyway, yeah, I, I well, boy. and your betrayal blindness allowed you to believe that gaslighting yeah. or allowed you to find that acceptable. And just real quick before you continue, keep in mind. Um, the reason betrayal blindness um, keeps us from probing further is because what happens is we know, okay, if I probe into this further and ask more questions and really go with my gut feeling that something's off, then I, my life's going to be devastated. Right. I'm going to lose this person. Yep. And a lot of a lot of women that have kids and they're financially dependent on their husbands what what's going through their mind is, oh my God, if I confront my husband and it's true, now I'm looking at a divorce. Now I'm looking at, I'm gonna have to go back into the work field. Now my kids are gonna yeah. go in separate houses. Now this yeah. and now that. So no, let me, and then betrayal blindness kicks in and we just decide, you know what? Let me believe in the lie I wanna tell myself or the one that's making me stay comfortable to believe. I, this may or may not be a similar connotation or similar explanation, but early on in this podcast, I used the, the term better to stick with the devil, you know, than the devil you don't, because there were times when I saw the betrayal and, but I had those exact same thoughts. If I confront it, if I push it even further and remember, she told me, if you don't like it, I'll find somebody else who, who will treat me or accept my law. She basically said, if you don't like that, I'm lying to you, I will find somebody else and suck them into my vortex and make them believe my lies. And so, um, in in this case, she was the devil, and I would I rather stay with this devil because I knew her than start not knowing what existed out there. And and I like the idea that of the concept of the of the of the wife and her kids. Yeah, if 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 she has to push it and get a divorce and she's all alone, it's very scary about what lies it ahead it is and I'll, I'll say this too and i don't want to trail off into this but oftentimes and you have to really get to understand the individual person and what their payoff is for staying in a relationship but i talk to a lot of men every day that have what's called a hero complex and a lot of times they want to stay with their partner because they're going to show them i'm going to be your hero and take you out of this devastating life and show you what true love is and so there's a lot of that too that goes into um the mix I call it the Superman complex. Yeah, there you go. I, I am Superman. I see a damsel in distress. This woman, she is escorting and she's selling her body and she's lying and manipulating. And, and so and she was even diagnosed with a disorder. And I said, I'm going to fix this person and, and I'm going to make her love me. Again. Well, she didn't love me, but I'm going to make her stop doing all. It just doesn't work. But you're right. There is this hero complex. Yeah, and I am. And then on the opposite of that, I just want to say not to trail off. But on the opposite of that, that's why some men find themselves in affairs, because you know, let's face it, after five, ten, fifteen years of marriage, complacency sets in, and you're not the hero anymore you once were to your spouse. And so now, when you're at work and your coworkers like, "Oh my gosh, you you look so good with your family," and "Oh my god, I can see you're going to the gym," and what all of a sudden we get this hero complex you know, and, and we, we love what we feel. So we get involved with an affair or we, we lean in that direction. Or sometimes we see a damsel in distress, even though we're married and we want to help that damsel in distress to give us that heroic feeling. And we wind up in an affair. So yeah, there's all these uh, myriad variables. 
Yeah. And, and I was often accused of cheating on her, which I don't know if it was a ref that re that reflective where they reflected back on you. But I was loyal to her. I but anyway, let, let's let's not. My audience knows my story. I don't want to. It does sound it. like some transference, I will say on her end. It does sound like some transference, which is why I'm going to come and spend time with you, because I feel I don't want. It's guilty by association. It's mm -hmm. almost like I'm doing this and I need and 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 so you there's also a lot of transference. You know, if my partner's doing this, I want to make sure they're not doing this. So right. let me spend time with them to make sure they're not doing this. Um, whatever. The, 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 it, it's it's a lot of things are complicated and multi-layered. Yeah. And what got me really uh stumped was she did that. She would spend an enormous amount of time with me or and or we would spend all night on the phone, either zooming or FaceTiming or watching a movie. Like sometimes we were remotely watch a movie, like we queue up Netflix at the at the seven second. Yeah. And I always said to myself, when did she have time to go out and do what she was doing? And then I realized that she either didn't need a, not, a lot of sleep because there were many weekends she came over and and she would ask me if she could take a nap. <laughs> it's Saturday afternoon. Why do you need to take a nap? But she needs to take a nap. That's because she was up all night. You know, after we got off the phone at 10 o'clock, I went to bed. She left the house and did what she had to do and probably got home at four o'clock in the morning. So, mm -hmm. um, there's another word, and I mentioned it to you before we started recording. If we have time later, I I, I know we're running a time time slot here. I'll bring it up again. That's the word reconciliation. But I there's another one. When I left this relationship, and I'm sure that, and this was in your bio, self esteem. When we when I left this relationship, my self-esteem was so, was non-existent. I'm not sure that I, I'm there yet either. And it's 10 months now. I guess the question is, how do we begin to work on that? Building up that self-esteem, that self-confidence, trust. First, I got to trust myself to make the next, right choice the next the next partner i choose i'm not going to trust that I'm, I'm i'm making the right choice you know um self-esteem so uh self-worth self-esteem self-love comes from within so um the first if i were talking to somebody in a session the first thing i would try to get to the bottom of is how much of that was authentically present to begin with. Yeah. Number one. Number two, how much of that did we give blindly to the other person? Um, and how much of that did we get from being with the other person? Because if the other person's giving us all this self-esteem, all this, you know, self-worth, all this yada, yada, and then they walk away, well, they walk away with everything they gave you. Yeah. So it's got to start from within and it's got to work from within. So um, that's number one. Number two, a lot of the things that um, affects our self-esteem is simply this. I mean, aside from just being a good person, making good decisions, having good integrity, doing good for others is not only having, but enforcing good boundaries. And so many times I'll talk to people after they get out of a relationship, or even if they're reconciling after a betrayal, 
and they'll say, I compromised my boundaries yep. far too much. Mm -hmm. And when you compromise your boundaries, you chip away at your self-esteem. So it's very complex, um, uh, this whole self-esteem uh, thing. But uh, really, one of the things that I say to get back your self-esteem is you really have to uh, prioritize self-care. And keep in mind, self-care is not vanity, it's sanity. Everything in your cup that's healthy, that feeds your soul is for you. That's for you. Everything overflowing out of that cup is for everyone else. And what happens is we get into relationships and get our cup and just dump it all into them. Well, that's now then now yep. now we're a puppeteer <laughs> to them. Yeah. So it, whatever's in our cup is for us. Whatever's overflowing out of it is for everybody else. You have to put yourself first. Um, uh, uh, I mean, there's times to be selfless in relationships. Absolutely. Without question. But no matter what, you could never lose yourself in the process. So I, I, we didn't talk about this while we were recording, but I told you that before the recording that there was a, a conversation I had with her that I was not happy with some of her behavior. And she said, if you don't like it, there are plenty of men waiting to take your place. I should have said to her, then let them take my place because that would have been my self-respect. She's clearly doing something inappropriate and I call her out on it. And she says, if you don't like it, I'll, I'll find someone to replace you. And I should have said, then then yes, do that. Because by relenting and saying, oh no, because that's exactly what I said. Oh no, 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 I'm sorry. Forget it, forget it, have fun, do, do what you're doing. It moved my boundary back. It, it then showed her, oh, I can step over this line and I can step over that line and he's not going to do anything about it. Yeah. You know? Well, keep in mind, first of all, we teach people how to treat us. Correct. And number two, boundaries are not for other people. Boundaries are like religion. They're for ourselves. Right. Um, you know, it's like if I have a placard um, in, in on my kitchen that says, you know, we're a family that prays and we're a family that does this and we're a family. Um, I'm not going to go out and force the society to to embrace those. But if somebody comes into my personal space, my kitchen, they need to embrace my boundaries. Right. OK. Um, and I, don't, I don't mean that literally like they need to pray. I'm just saying this is what me. So here's the deal. Your boundaries are for you. Your boundaries are your rules in your life. And if somebody wants to step into your personal circle, they need to respect your boundaries. boundaries. Yeah. If not, you are the one that has to enforce those boundaries. And if not, you're basically telling somebody my boundaries are negotiable. And I'll give you a perfect example. I was talking to this woman um, probably a couple of months ago from California. Uh, she's in her mid 60s and she's in the dating realm. And she uh, tells all of her potential dates, I, I do not have people come to my house on a first date. I don't. That's a boundary of mine. I do not have people come to my house on a first date. I'll meet you out in public um, at a restaurant. She said, but you know, Mr. J, this guy was traveling from far away. And he kept saying, why didn't I just pick you up? And at first I was like, I don't know. And then he said, come on, I can pick you up. Uh, we can ride in the same car. And she was like, okay, sure. And the day went well. And at the end of the night, he kissed me goodnight and everything was fine. But then he kept kissing me. And I said, okay, you kissed me. We're good. And then he kissed me again. And she said, and then he was forcefully kissing me. And she said, okay, we're good. We're good. I, I don't kiss this much on the first date. 
but he kept kissing me. And I said, well, one of the things is though, is when you told him you had a boundary and then you went soft on it, you told him, you taught him because we teach people how to treat us. You taught him my, my boundaries are negotiable Nego so yeah. wow. for you after that first and third and fourth and seventh kiss to say, ah, screw it. Just come in. Let's have sex. Yeah. So now listen, that's not to say that you have to be a strict, stern robot with your boundaries. There's times you can negotiate, but that's after a while when they're, when they've been established. It's just like a teacher. When you go into a class for the, um, at the beginning of the year, you don't play cool with the kids and everybody's your best friend. No, you establish rules, you establish structure, you establish boundaries. Then once that's all set to play in place, then you can kind of negotiate as you, you can go be flexible. Along. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm learning a lot about boundaries because I I clearly do not know how to establish boundaries. In life, I guess there's boundaries in work, there's boundaries in in platonic relationships and is but then but we're talking about romance here. I have got to learn to establish or maybe do, does one let, let's say we're let's say I'm, I'm getting ready to go back out in the dating world. I'm not sure that I'm really there yet, but let's say in the next couple of months, would I sit down and write a list of boundaries that I'm not okay with and okay with? 100%. I think yeah. in every area, in every relationship, we need boundaries. I don't care if it's with a coworker, a family member, a potential spouse or partner, we need boundaries. Um, now, I think what a lot of people do is they don't know how to set boundaries or where to begin with them. And that's when I tell people to do a value audit. So what are your values? For instance, let's just say you're somebody who absolutely timeliness is important to you. You want somebody who's on time all the time. If you tell somebody be there at seven and they come strolling in at 718, that doesn't jive no, with you. No. That's a value of yours. So you turn your values into your boundaries. My boundaries are um, you know, I, I timeliness is important. That's yeah. a value to my, that could be a boundary. So you do a values assessment and turn those values into boundaries. Okay. But you, this may seem like an odd question. You on a first or second date, you wouldn't pull out that list and go, these are my boundaries. How, how, <laughs> how, how do you convey that to your potential first date, second date, third date? How do you well, listen, there's a many different ways you do that. You know, something as simple as, oh, you know what? That's not something I'm comfortable with. Or, oh, that's something that, that okay. I, you know, yeah. could be a, you know, because listen, as you know, being in the dating pool, there's people that have completely different religious beliefs. There's people that have different political beliefs. There's different beliefs around money. So, you know, you have to very nicely um, assert your boundaries, you know, and again, go ahead. I, I have a story. You just mentioned something and just reminded me of something. And yeah, we can get this in. Two nights ago, I, I'm on one of the dating apps and they do speed dating. And where they, for three minutes, they match you with somebody. You don't get to see their profile. You don't get to see their name. You you chat for three minutes. At the end of three minutes, then they show you your pro, their profile to each other. And if you like, then you can continue to chat after after the speed dating's over. And I, I was having this great conversation with this woman and we both agreed, let's continue this after the speed dating. And we did an hour later when the speed dating was over, I reached out to her and we were chatting for a half an hour. And 
all of a sudden she came back to me and said, oops, I just read your profile over again. You're apolitical. And that's a deal breaker for me. And, and my, um, I, it just caught me off guard because politics is a, is a very dangerous playground, especially in the dating world, especially today. Apolitical means that I, I have my political beliefs, but I'm not overly passionate about them, I'm guessing, and I don't care to discuss them openly right now. She was on her profile, it said liberal, and uh, which is fine. But she would not listen to my reasoning. I said, well, wait a minute. She said, no, nope, I'm, I'm cutting you off. And I said, why? Because I don't discuss politics. And she said, I'm very passionate about my politics. And you just don't seem to be into politics. So we're not going to, we're not a good match. And then she, she literally blocked me and, and it, she put like poof. She was gone, you know. Is that a boundary, or is that just a little over the top? No. Well, you know, here's the deal. It's it's dating is a whole beast. It's a whole world. It's a whole beast. Um. Crazy. So let me just yeah. On one hand, on one hand, I listen to this story and I say, you know what? This is a woman who knows what she wants, and she's not afraid to state it. And and good for her. Kudos. And she immediately um uh knows a, a non-negotiable and doesn't want to waste her time and said listen this is an important thing to me i'm very passionate about it you don't carry this i i i i don't want to waste my time and a lot of me actually is thinking kudos to her absolutely the problem however is the other side of me is thinking this if you guys could have been a wonderful match in so many ways and areas Thank and you. then 6 months down the road she really invited you to the political table and you started to feel quasi passionate. Maybe that's something that, you know, you guys could have learned together, had a journey together and grow. So, so I, I see both sides of that coin. I, I, and I agree with you. And that's what I was trying to negotiate with her. It was like, I'm not saying I'm not a, I, first of all, I didn't divulge whether I was liberal or conservative. I just said, it's just not that important to me. We chatted, texted for 40 minutes and there was so much. We were laughing and, and had so much. And I'm like, you're going to tell me that you're going to throw away those 40 minutes of, of laughing and good times because I don't have a passion for politics or I don't express that to you. I just I, and I agree. If somebody has a non-negotiable, they clearly know what they want. I I look at it this way. I may have dodged the bullet because this person may be an activist where they go down and march on Wall Street and they do, you know, all the stuff you hear in the news. And, I, I, and that's why I'm apolitical. I don't get involved with that stuff. So, OK, I, I, I know you're on a time frame. Um, I'm very reluctant to bring this word up, but let's let's talk about it. The reconciliation word. You you had that in your bio. It caught my eye. I don't think I'll ever reconcile with with this past relationship. But what? How does one begin to reconcile, or why is it part of your repertoire? Okay, so first, let me just say this: uh, probably about eighty to ninety percent of my clients are couples that have decided to stay together after infidelity. 
Really? Yes. Um, and and let me tell you something. There is no external um activity that can break up a couple if the couple's determined. Okay. At the same token, there could be little external activity. And if the couple's done, the couple's done. I'm going to give you an example. Uh, I've worked with couples where they've been married a decade, 15 years, and the wife caught her husband looking at porn and he admitted it and he said, he's sorry. And she divorced him. She said, porn is a non-negotiable. Wow. Goodbye. Yeah. Uh, I'm also dealing with a couple currently who are in their 70s. And he had an affair for over 30 years. They're working on it. They're happy. They're committed to staying together. I'm working with another couple who um, he told me, he said, Mr. J, we have four kids. My last kid, something told me, I don't think that kid is mine. I don't think that kid is mine biologically. So we went to the doctor to get a test. And after my wife had a test, a paternity test, and you know the doctor went away to look at the results, the wife started crying. And he said, listen, if it's not mine, we're going to get through this. We will. Let's just be honest. We'll seek wow. help. And she said, I'm not crying because of that. I'm crying because none of the kids are yours. Oh, my God. Today, today, they're working through it and they're doing fine. So wow. what I'm telling you is that no external activity can break a couple apart if they're determined to be together. They're determined to be together. But at the same token, if somebody's not determined or or, or non-negotiable was broken, the littlest of activities, which yeah. I don't want to say porn is little because some people are like, you know, oh my God, that's huge. Um, so so I just want to establish that. As far as reconciliation. You can reconcile within your relationship, but even if you're not going to stay in that current relationship, you still want to reconcile the circumstance. So for instance, and I don't know, I haven't talked to you at all. I, I, I don't want to begin to guess the situation, but a part of me thinks that um, your ex had some unfinished emotional baggage in business with her mm -hmm. ex. Mm -hmm. And um, I think she might have started out as, I don't know if she started out as a revenge affair on him. or It was. To, you know, it was. Okay. So tell me it was, yeah. Okay. And um, uh, then then I think she, she could very well be looking at you to pump up her self-esteem or maybe even just as a solid foundation in her life. You know, where, um, you know, she could have looked at you as no matter what, this is a person who is going to have my back um, and you are a stable person in her life. But here's the deal. She only had a capacity for eight or nine months of a relationship. That yeah. was her only. Capacity. Yeah. The problem with that, however, is you are in your pink cloud phase. Uh huh. In cloud phase of oh my god things are going relatively great and i see a future with this woman i finally think i found my soulmate i found my match whatever and then all of a sudden you were slapped upside your face with reality and now your mind body and soul you're fighting because you're constantly trying to want to go back and find that relationship yep. that was true to begin with yeah and it was and and somebody else and i think it was my son that said to me that i fell in love with the potential version of her the the, you fell the in love with yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. And th there was a lot of unresolved uh, childhood trauma on her part, which 
not important now. But yes, I don't. She started dating after the affair with her husband within six months of the affair. And that's after 20 years. So she clearly hadn't processed that. And I think she needed validation that she was still beautiful at the age of 55, which she was. And I think she needed, like you said, it was a revenge. She told me, she goes, I went, I went on eHarmony as a revenge to get back on my husband. I just didn't expect to meet you and fall in love. And, but I think you're right. After eight or nine months, it was, she got what she needed and proceeded to move on to greener pastures or whatever they say. So, wow. But, <laughs> The grass might be greener, but it still has to be mowed. Um, <laughs> yes, by the way, does. I hope and you don't have to respond. I hope you did get checked for any STDs. I did. Oh yeah, I went right to my doctor. Yeah, okay, okay. yeah. I have a very good uh, primary, and uh, he knows. He he's the one that got me sober eight years ago, so he knows my story. Um, Mr. J, very. Uh, I know we got to wrap it up. You have something in eight minutes, so. Um, Quickly, two questions. Anything that you left out you want to tell us? And then number two is where can we find you online? Well, listen, there's a lot that I want to tell you. I mean, because um, what, you know, betrayal trauma is is profoundly, for a lack of a professional term, sucks. Yeah. Because a lot of things, because <laughs> yeah. listen, if you have trauma in any other area, now you happen to be a very vocal, open person. The majority of people, especially when it comes to spousal infidelity, aren't because there's no. embarrassment, there's shame. shame. And so, so basically what happens is that any other trauma in life, for instance, let's just say you lose a parent. That's kind of traumatic. No. Well, what no. you do is you call your job and you say, listen, I have to take a bereavement week. I got to deal with my parents' death. What do you get? You get a bereavement week, probably with pay. You get your coworkers that may or may not send you some flowers, send you a card, attend your funeral of your parents. Um, you can't call your boss after you just discovered the person you loved betrayed no. you way you can't call your boss and say listen i need some broken time off there's no such thing and then if you want to be honest and say why you need time off there's some embarrassment with that mm -hmm. sometimes there's guilt there's shame mm -hmm. yeah. and there's no pay unless you take personal time off yeah. and that personal <laughs> time off you need to heal your broken heart it's a secret society and so you don't you can't pick up the phone just like you know if you had a friend that died or something you can't pick up the phone to your friends and family and say, so-and-so just cheated on me or so-and-so just left me because there's a sense of despair. It's very personal. This is trauma is very personal. It's a secret society of shame. So, so, there's, so it's not just the trauma in and of itself. There's all these extra layers that many people listening to this and that I deal with every day don't tell people. People say, I don't want to tell my family my spouse did this because they love my spouse and it'll change the dynamics of their relationship. Right. Or my family will tell me, why are you so stupid staying with them? So I just live in secrecy and, you know, whatever. So um, one of the things that I do want to say before we leave is keep in mind, other people gave you pain. Don't give yourself suffering. What do I mean by that? This is what I mean. If you walk down the street and a rattlesnake or, a, or a, a poisonous snake bites you, right? You don't pick that snake up and inject their fangs into your hand a thousand times. 
But yet when we leave a relationship, what do we do? We think about it. We yeah. think the could-haves, the should-haves. What if I did this differently? Why couldn't I say this differently? What if I would have done this? What? So we give ourselves all this excruciating, unnecessary suffering yeah. because somebody else gave us pain. And we got to stop that. Now, for the people that are listening that have triggers, I just want to say there's a few things to do to combat the triggers. Number one, um, you have your your amygdala is is um sparked. Our amygdala is the part of our brain that keeps us safe. So when we have a trigger, what happens is our amygdala acts up. And when our amygdala is enlarged, it crowds out our frontal cortex, which is the logical side of our brain. So one thing that I have people do the minute they get triggered is start start spouting out some math facts. And one of the great things about this is you can do this out loud if you're in your house, but you also do it quietly in your head if you're in a board meeting at work. So you can just say, okay, seven plus seven is 14. 14 minus four is 10. 10 times 10 is 100. And the more difficult the math is, the more you have to engage the logic side of your brain. And once the logic start of, side of your brain is engaged, you're basically closing down the amygdala. So yeah. you're calming down yeah. that threat. And that trigger Another, is gone. Well, it, 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 <laughs> I don't know if it's gone, but it can definitely decrease. Another thing too I have people do is put a rubber band around their um, wrist. And if they get a trigger, snap yeah. themselves out of it. I've heard about that. Yeah. Um, there's also things, aquatic uh, things where, you know, uh, splash your face with cold water. You could also hold two ice cubes in your hand. There's also, <laughs> wow. Um, wow. and these are all scientifically tested. Yeah. There's oh. also, there's also grounding yourself, meaning getting yourself back into um, where you are. So I, I talk about the rainbow technique to people. Um, look around your room and try to find the colors of the rainbow. What is mm -hmm. red? What is yep. yellow? What is blue? What is a I also try some breathing techniques. You know, the, I call it pizza breathing. So let's just say you take the pizza out of the oven and you're so proud of the pizza that you made. So you take a deep breath to smell that pizza. Mm, but it's too hot to eat. So you got to blow it off and out through the mouth. Do that a couple of times, pizza breathing, or we can do cookie breathing. You made chocolate chip cookies, whatever. Um, because what happens is your heart rate increases and you and when your heart rate increases, it tells your brain you're in danger. So if your heart, if your heart crease uh, lowers, it tells your brain all is good in the hood. Another thing I tell people to do is either chew gum or sit down because when our nervous system is, um, is uh, ready to, it goes into fight or flight, um, that was used years ago to get away from a lion, to get away from a charging, hungry, you know, lion back in the, right. you know, caveman days. Well, if you sit down, you're, then your body says, well, wait a minute, you can't be in that much danger because you're sitting down. You're yeah, relaxed. You're not, you're, you're not running. So things like that. Another thing, which is my favorite, belt out one of your favorite songs or, or a sentence or a word or a, of your favorite song. Singing has shown uh, scientifically to reduce your heart rate and, and to bring up some good dopamine feelings. So those are some things to do with triggers because triggers are something that can bring us to our knees. Triggers oh. after the death of a relationship, we could be, I don't care if we're having sex, doing dishes, uh, What? it's like a sledgehammer to the gut. It yep. could bring uh -huh. your knees. So you and science has told us that we have between 1.6 seconds to 2.3 seconds from a time a thought comes into our mind to quickly do something to dismiss it. Because once it stays more than 2.3 seconds, now it starts planting seeds and it's going to do damage. Yeah. So the minute we get a trigger, we can't sit there and indulge and, and keep get, putting those fangs inside us. We got to say, 
oh no, oh no, and get into one of these techniques of singing out loud or grounding yourself or you know what have you. And there's many more, but because of time, I can't say that. Yeah. Your last question is where can I be reached? Well, I'm going to tell you something. I have the easiest website, I think, on the face of the earth. It's mrjrelationshipcoach.com. Simple as that. But I'll tell you what, for anybody listening, you, whomever, even if somebody never wants to talk to me, hear from me, have a session with me, great, fine and dandy. Just go to my website, mrjrelationshipcoach.com and take advantage of the many free resources that I offer. I have podcasts on there. I have uh, journals on there. I have my YouTube channel uh, that has you know hundreds of, of um, clips on how to deal with betrayal. So even if somebody doesn't go to my website to talk to me or to get a hold of me, simply go to take advantage of my many free freebies. Yeah. And I just want to say thank you so much for giving me your time on your show. No, thank you. And I will and 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 I do have all your social links in your bio. I will put them in the show notes so, so the audience can can click on all of those. So Mr. J, you you have enlightened me and the audience. Thank you so much. And maybe we'll have you back someday and maybe we'll continue this conversation. It's fascinating. So love to. Thank you. All have right. a great day. Thank you. There you go. See? all wrapped up in a nice little box with a bow. Thank you so much, Mr. J. <sighs> Big sigh. Why? Because I'm done. I feel like the chains, the handcuffs, the whatever, the, the, the I was bound and, and I was on this journey for the past eight months to figure out what the fuck just happened and i got my answer okay so even though this was episode 58 and yes i'm happy and all that um there's two more episodes for season one then i got a bonus episode for you and then i have some other stuff to tell you but i'm going to do that uh, by the time you hear this you would have already have heard what i had to tell you because this is being released later so anyway i'm rambling as usual please leave me a review five stars if you're liking it spread the word folks i need this need you to spread this word just tell somebody that you know everybody has somebody that they're going through a rough relationship just share this show with anybody and please feedback i love the feedback you can always email me dm me all that information is in the show notes as well as Mr. J's. Thank you. And as I always say, please, if you have to make a choice, if you're going to make a choice, please choose wisely. Until next time. <laughs>